One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the Cricket Collective. Well, this is supposed to be a, a very interesting new show that we've come up with. I'm Jared Kimber, and alongside me is Tim Harmison. And by alongside me, I mean uh, a lot more than two metres away. He's up north, I'm down in London. But the idea of the Cricket Collective was to essentially bring the TalkSport team together and have the best of cricket chat. Uh, you know, the sort of lunch breaks that you listen to that you really want to run off to the toilet and uh, you can't because they're talking about something so interesting. That was the idea behind the Cricket Collective, a celebration of cricket. Deep dives into topics, you know, talking about Joss Butler being one of the great cricketers in the world but not being able to crack test cricket. Maybe looking back at Sandpaper Gate and match fixing and all these awesome things. And, of course, this huge celebration of cricket that we've, uh, that we've come up with, the very first episode, the very first time we go to where we have no cricket at all. Instead, uh, we have the coronavirus. And, if anything, we have what is maybe the oldest team sport, over 200 years old, um, and here we are having to stop. You know, cricket is a sport that only stops for world wars and... Uh, major events and we're in a place that we've never been before but the coronavirus outbreak has brought a halt to all major sporting events and uh, we're going to talk about how it's affected cricket across the world and here's our reporter James Lua. It's quite a different scenario to anything uh, we've experienced on a cricket tour before. I think you look at the players well-being and mental health and the situation that they're in, you know, they're away, they're a long way from home. They've made a quick and very decisive decision, so well done to the ECB. The government are trying to delay it. They're not trying, they're not going to be able to get rid of the coronavirus in the next couple of weeks. The well-being and the health of the guys in the squad, um, you know, the, the staff as well, is paramount. It's something I think we're going to have to get used to. And sport itself is going to have to find a way to deal with it. Being at home with loved ones and family is, is the right thing to do. Like many other sporting events, cricket has been seriously affected by the coronavirus, with most of the action now grinding to a halt. 
England's two-test tour of Sri Lanka has been postponed, as well as South Africa's tour of India and the white ball series between Australia and New Zealand. The start of the 2020 IPL has been delayed, the Pakistan Super League has been cancelled and all Sheffield Shield cricket has also been suspended. With the start of the county season just weeks away, several counties' preparations have been affected. Hampshire, Durham, Warwickshire, Kent, Sussex, Surrey and Yorkshire have all cut short their pre-season tours whilst Essex remain in Abu Dhabi. And it's not just the teams affected, with England cricketer Alex Hales self-isolating after experiencing coronavirus symptoms, while Surrey have confirmed six of their cricketers are in self-isolation. No doubt this will get worse before it gets better. Yeah, it certainly will. In fact, I've just got a, a very early list here. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, India, South Africa, Pakistan, Nepal, India, South Africa. Oh, I put that on twice. Uh, Malta, Czech Republic, Denmark, Thailand, Netherlands, Japan, Namibia, Ireland, Scotland, USA, Bangladesh. These are some of the places. I haven't mentioned England or Sri Lanka yet, I don't think, in that list. These are some of the places uh, where international cricket uh, was supposed to be played. And unfortunately, due to this pandemic, uh, has been cancelled. I think we've basically invented a sport here um, at one level where it's essentially uh, we lick the ball, we hand it a bunch, uh, uh, you know, to a bunch of different people, and then we travel around the world. Uh, so we've invented a pandemic-like sport. And how quickly things have changed. It was only a couple of days ago, Harmy, that Stuart Broad was on a plane and he was joking about uh, having to fist bump uh, people with uh, Joe Rudy, put a video up. And now we're in a place that... Uh, well, certainly you or I have never been at in our entire lives. Absolutely, Jared. And I th- don't think anybody knew or knows um, what is what was really happening, what is going to happen, and and where the end of the the end the end is 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 close in sight or a long way in sight. Just listen to the prime minister um, uh, and the chancellor talking about what the country is, and, and we we talk about sport as though it's. It is the be all and end all? It's not because you know the, the, what's happening in in society and uh, in in lives and with family and making sure everybody is is in good health. But sport does play a a massive part in in the feel good factor because you know whether you're a rugby fan, a football fan, a cricket fan, cross sports when your team's doing well, everything's rosy in the garden. It's a little release from going to work and going away and having other things in your life. And when it's not there, it is it has been difficult over the last the last few days. But you, know, you, you said right at the top in the opener about how many people's lives are affected when it comes to this from a sporting part of this um, what this program is about the the cricket side of it. It is huge. And just mentioning there a little joke two days ago with Stuart Broad a few days ago with Stuart Broad and Joe Root, um, who nobody knew where you know the, the, it, it's going to be taken. And just like, you know, you obviously had your own well-documented problems with, with touring and, and, and depression and everything. I mean, uh, it seems to, from the outside, like this was a, the, the end of this series was certainly led by the England players. The, and they were saying, you know, uh, you know, quite openly, and we'll, we'll listen to Joe Root in a moment, they were saying quite openly they didn't want to be in South Africa um, if they had to be in isolation. I mean, how would you have handled that as a player? Um well, I, first and foremost, Jared, I, I'm disappointed with what's coming out of the ECB, which is absolutely nothing. Nothing seems to be coming out of the ECB. Mentioned how good a feel-good factor a sport is. All other sports 
governing bodies have come out and said, whether it's ranging from football, which is probably the top top sport in this country, down to you know people playing netball, basketball, horse racing has now changed their stance on it. I've not heard anything from the ECB. The ECB, the last thing, well, the only thing I've heard out of the ECB is the Sri Lanka, the players are coming home from Sri Lanka. In fact, I think that was player-driven. It was player-led. I'll, re- I'll rewind back during my career, 2003 World Cup. I sat for four days in a room with people telling me I've got to go to Zimbabwe. Good idea to go to Zimbabwe. Basically, the ECB were waiting for the government to pull us out of Zimbabwe. That wasn't going to happen, and it wasn't until the players more or less decided. And Nasser Hussein was unbelievable during that situation. And it wasn't until then it was decided that we weren't going to Zimbabwe as a team and we'll take the consequences. Was it that the ECB said, yeah, we're going to pull you out? The players had already pulled out. And I'm just speculating. I don't know, and hopefully... Either you know, next week we'll get the show on, ECB can come back at me. But there, it just seems the players pulled themselves out of the, out of Sri Lanka. And listening to Joe Root there, you know, th- th- there's a lot of concern in his voice. And for me, that shouldn't be the case. ECB hasn't said anything about it. And what gets me is this game, this wonderful game we play, and we all love, whether you play or you watch it, they go from ranging of all-stars at under six to maybe people playing in third 11, fourth 11 at 65, 70-year-old. There's a wide range of people play the sport and love it. And I think the authorities haven't really come out and said definitively, are we going to be training? Are we going to cancel all training? Are we going to cancel all club games? Are we going to cancel all under-19 and you know youth level, second-team games? What's happening with first-class cricket? This needs di- this needs direction from the top, and for me, I, I haven't I haven't heard anything. I know I'm in the, the deepest part of Ashington, <laughs> but that disappoints me. But doesn't surprise me from the ECB. Well, just on Joe Root, you, you talked about his voice, uh, so we can listen to him now. He says that the health and well-being of everyone involved in the tour of Sri Lanka was the reason it was called off. So he's told um, Sky Sports News that the thought of being stranded in Sri Lanka was quite a daunting prospect. That was one of the things which is was quite scary as I suppose you you know you could have been players could have individually been isolated in a um, in a hospital hospital somewhere in Colombo away from the team um, no security measures no interaction with team doctors or physios and uh, it had just been quite a a unique scenario which might have been quite intimidating out of your comfort zone out of um, uh, you know, away from from everything you, you're used to and I suppose uh, if worst case scenario guys were to get it uh, and it was at home, then you know at least they'd have home comforts and the, you know, be a clear way of, of dealing with it that you know, be be used to. So, so yeah, so it's quite interesting what's happened there. We're just going to go on to Sri Lanka a little bit. So England's tour of Sri Lanka is obviously being postponed due to the coronavirus outbreak. But uh, we want to talk about how it's affected the locals. So we're very lucky uh, that we've got ESPN Crick Info's um, Sri Lankan correspondent, Andrew Fidel Fernando, um, to join us here on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Um, Andrew, I just wanted to know, I suppose, to start with, how much uh, pressure there was sort of from Sri Lankan cricket and maybe the Sri Lankan government uh, for this series to go ahead. I mean, look, I think it, SLC kind of uh, was, it was ECB that, uh, I guess, uh, started the whole thing. They were the ones with the players who didn't really want to be there uh, with everything that was going on at home. They wanted to be back uh, with their families and, and they were also afraid of 
sort of the the tightening borders and if, if the UK borders closed they didn't really want to be in Sri Lanka while their families were going through uh, something at home so the ECB did start that process but SLC while slightly reluctant weren't necessarily they didn't dig their heels in I think uh, one of the cool things uh, about this is that the the World Test Championship kind of makes it uh, makes it a little bit easier for the SLC to, to to swallow because they know that if England want to have that extra series in the World Test Championship, they want to be competitive uh, in that uh, World Test Championship final next year, they will have to play the series at some point. So it's not that they were going to leave and not come back. And I do think that the ECB uh, has has made it clear to both SLC and the ICC that this series will happen at some point down the road. So uh, although SLC, you know, they had these fans coming also, I, I mean, there's also pressure from the Sri Lankan government, right? So mm. the Sri Lankan government necessarily wants thousands of, uh, of people from uh, a country where uh, coronavirus was, you know, spreading or seemed to be at the time spreading quite uh, rapidly. They didn't necessarily want those fans descending. So SLC had pressure from the government as well to be like, okay, let's call the tour off and kind of uh, kind of shut the borders down. Uh, so I, I think, I mean, the right decision was made in the end. I think, uh, I mean, three days later or four days later, whatever it is now, uh, it seems like no other decision could possibly have been made. And I think they uh, they went the right way there. And they also, you know, from from then they they sort of got a bit more proactive, didn't they? They've they've um, suspended almost all cricket now in Sri Lanka, haven't they? Yeah, pretty much all cricket. Uh, as in, uh, all first class games have been. Um, we're in the middle of our first class season. Those have all been postponed or, or stopped. Uh, and uh, school cricket, although we did. So okay, I don't know. We have time for this, but. Uh, there's this there's this incredibly massive school cricket encounter between uh, a college called Royal College and St Thomas's College. The big game. Uh, they get like twenty thousand people, yeah, don't they? Big match. Yeah, that's right. So they get more more people to this match than they do to any test I've been at uh, <laughs> ever right? in Sri Lanka. Uh, and uh, this is like a three day game. It's a school cricket match, but everyone descends on it. And people have been saying, look, this is a massive health risk. And it was, and it's just come out over the last 24, 36 hours that someone at the game had uh, COVID-19 and oh. could have uh, infected a lot of people. So uh, it, it just goes to show uh, the correct decision that SLC and, and ECB made. And it kind of uh, puts, you know, these people, these two elite schools, uh, it, it kind of juxtaposes that and uh, makes their decision feel stupid, uh, which it probably was. So... Uh, yeah, that's uh, cricket did help spread coronavirus in Sri Lanka, unfortunately. Uh, and I don't know if you want to mention this on a cricket podcast, but this is this is the state of things. And Andrew, as well as that, one of the the big games, uh, a huge game for for English cricket. I've played in it twice now. The MCC take on the champions, and that was going to be in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. And the MCC not coming to Sri Lanka, it probably is a disappointment, disappointing thing for Sri Lankan cricket because I think the MCC, during the times of like the tsunami and whenever, yeah, you know, the, the Sri Lankan cricket have needed help. The MCC have have been there to help. So it would have been a good thing for for the champions to play, um, which was Essex against the MCC in Sri Lanka um, at the end of March. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been uh, fantastic as well, especially with Kumar Sangakara, you know, leading the team as MCC president. It would have been a massive event, and especially in Gaul, uh, you know, such a stunning stadium and somewhere where fans always turn up to watch watch cricket. Um, so, yeah, it is a, a huge missed opportunity. Hopefully, 
that can happen at some other time as well. I guess it possibly depends on where the whether when the England series gets uh, scheduled for or rescheduled for, uh, because it, the MCC may probably find it easier to to be over while that's happening. But um, hopefully, uh, I think Kumar's president for a year, and I I believe he was a driving force in bringing that game to to goal. Uh, hopefully, while he's still president, this all blows over and uh, that game can kind of happen. I think the cool thing about Sri Lanka is that there's no time of year, really, where, you know, cricket is unviable. So uh, any time between now and September, October, it's it's totally fine to, to play cricket here and you will get a game in Gaul, which is one of the most sporting kind of bowler-friendly venues anyway. So uh, even if you lose a bit of time, you probably get a result. Um yeah, so hopefully that happens uh, in the next few months, but I guess we have to wait and see how this blows over. And, and just lastly, mate, the um, uh, Sri Lankan cricket is obviously not a powerhouse, you know, with the big three um, cricket nations. Financially, if this was, you know, to be quite prolonged and quite a few series um, end up being cancelled, how would that affect Sri Lankan cricket, do you think, going forward? So there's a couple of things uh, already before uh, the big pandemic hit. SLC was already kind of facing a reality where their next uh, their next broadcast contract wasn't going to be as lucrative as their previous one. Oh. So uh, they were still. They, I mean, it, that's what it seemed like it would be, would happen uh, essentially because uh, now these domestic leagues, these T20 leagues, are uh, the huge money maker in cricket uh, from a broadcast perspective as well, and SLC have been completely ineffective and unable to launch one of their own, uh, and that was one of the main reasons. But there are there are a couple other reasons, like that the team hasn't necessarily been doing as well, um, and so yeah, this this string of cancellations, um, and I am expecting it to be a, a string. Uh, Bangladesh are due in I think June or July. And that series is a little bit kind of shaky as well. But again, that I guess they'll they'll take a decision on that close to the time. Uh, if these cancellations do happen, it will hurt SLC. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. And uh, ECB, the England Test Tour, is one of the few Test Tours where they do make money. Um, and and they'll be desperate to, to for this to be rescheduled as soon as possible. I don't think they're going to be skint. I think that they're not in like SLC is not in awful financial shape. But it will be lean times, as it will be for, for many, many people in the world. Um, they're, they're not exactly going to go out and splash out on a new tournament this year, uh, given everything that's happened. Beautiful. Thank you very much. That was Andrew Fidel Fernando speaking to us from ESPN Crick Info. Go enjoy your ARAC. Cheers. Uh, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Next up, we'll hear from a current professional cricketer who is in self-isolation with the domestic season due to start in just over four weeks' time. I'm no expert at all in any of this, but I can't see how you... You've got, the what, the championship season, Kent, Nile County, they've been in South Africa, they're now coming back. So they're about five weeks, what, six weeks away from maybe the first game, not even that. I can't see. This is just the start of it all. So when you talk about one person getting ill, then you have to self-isolate, and then it might just have a knock-on effect to other people in the team. I'm not sure when the next game's going to be. I think that's going to be the problem. I can't see when the next game of, or the first game of cricket of our summer is going to start. It looks like it's going to be a fair way away. 
That's former England batsman Rob Key speaking with Sky Sports News as it looks increasingly unlikely that the county season will get underway on time. But what uh, we need now is a player's perspective. And uh, I'm excited to say that on the line we have um, the Talk Sports own and Surrey's own, Gareth Batty. Gareth, uh, are yourself isolating? Are, are you okay? Are you one of the ill six I hear so much about from Surrey? <laughs> Very good evening, man. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say whether I am or not, but I'm going to do. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm self-isolating. Um, basically, as soon as I got back from South Africa, I've had sort of a, a sniffly a sort of nose and a bit of a cough. And we've got two children at home and it just bounces around the three or four of us. And uh, it's just the right and proper procedure that uh, Surrey are following. Um, the medical staff have been quite magnificent. They've just nipped everything in the bud and they've gone, hang on a second, um, there's a very good chance this isn't coronavirus, but we're not going to take this chance. Go self-isolate for a, for a, for the period of time and then come back and we'll see where we're at after that. It's, I think it's great to have you on the show, being the whole world's talking about bats and we've got the exclusive interview with the great man himself. <laughs> uh, you're not, you, you know, I, I haven't spent a lot of time with you in and around gyms. You, you push yourself very hard, but I wouldn't say you have a love-love relationship with Fitness Worth, uh, Bats. Uh, uh, how have you uh, handled uh, pulling yourself back a little bit coming into, uh, into a potential season? I've got to be honest, it's not a good place to be. Um, I suppose uh, my situation is slightly different. Being, being very old, um, you realise that the obvious uh, signs of age are your fitness and keeping up with the youngsters. And I pride myself on on beasting uh, myself in gyms to try and keep up at least to, so I don't make a fool of myself. Um, and I just can't go into a gym. It's, it's not allowed. It's, uh, it would be wrong for other people, not just, um, uh, you know, you've got to look at the bigger picture. It's kind of my state of play with whether I'm fit, if we play in a month's time or whatever, is irrelevant. The bigger picture are, uh, you know, the population and, and, if there is a very small chance of me having anything, then I need to stay away. And gyms are a definite no-no. So, look, I'm crawling the walls with uh, a couple of little ones at home, and uh, hopefully we keep a little bit of uh, a little bit of juice in the old body. But um, no, it's it's a very difficult time for for obviously everybody out there, but um, certainly um, uh, professional sports people are in a very um, unique position um, because your body is your currency, and if you can't um, you know, do the right things and put the good things into it. You, you feel like you're just missing a trick. And Bats, you talk about there, you've talked about, you know, the body and being in a, a good position. Talk about teammates. Uh, what advice is that the sort of PCA given in? What I mean by that is, you know, the, the mental side of what's happening to a professional sportsman, professional cricketer, young professional cricketer, um, it's huge because the ramifications of not playing when it comes to contracts and getting, you know, having living a normal life and you know, the worries that comes with it. Um, because, you know, you have put, in perspective, yeah, it, it is, and I'm 100% with you that it's it's about the, the wider you know, the, the wider population being healthy. But um, it's it is playing cricket. It's an employment. It is a job, and you know the, the ramifications of not having that employment uh, could be huge on a young person's mind. Yeah, do you know what, Steve? You bang on. It, it's the first time I even thought about it today. Um, obviously, everybody's on WhatsApp groups, and the boys have been pinging messages around, checking that everybody's okay, and. The lads that are that are in the office, you know, we call the office the training ground and stuff, are, are making sure the boys who are not there, they obviously appreciate that they're not there for the, the correct reasons and checking up on each other. But the PCA uh, have been sending out emails. And anybody that knows me knows I'm not particularly uh, savvy with <laughs> the current world that we live in. 
Um, and I actually went and checked some today. And the PC had been magnificent. Email after email have been sent out. And going along the lines that you're mentioning there, Steve, you know, most of the time a player can do something about it. It can, it, you know, they can go out, he or she can go out and, and get fitter. They can practice more. They can do this. To an extent, your career is in your own hands. At this moment in time, it is not. It has been taken away. And rightly so. Mm. I'm not saying for a second this isn't correct. It is bang on. But... The mental side of that, um, for, for somebody, I'm, I suppose I'm probably the other end of it. You know, this I might never play cricket again, thinking that I'd signed a pro contract that I would still play. Um, but the youngsters, it, it's far greater because they're at the start of something. They've not had those memories. They've not had and fulfilled some of those dreams. And to deal with that mentally, to be cooped up at home when you're normally very active, um, to deal with it in the correct uh, in the correct way is vital. And the PCA have been... There's helplines set up, there's people to speak to, um, and obviously all the clubs have their contact points as well. So I, I, I do feel like people are, are very well looked after, and rightly so, because um, as much as a physical, it is a, a very difficult mentally. I just want to ask you a practical question, mate. How do you prepare for a season when you don't know when it's going to start? I heard a rumour uh, swirling around today, there's no way it will start before June. Um, you know, from, from a sort of preparation point, even when you finish your self-isolation, and please don't come and hang out with me until, you know, we're 100% sure you're clear. But, um, you know, how do you, how do you prepare for a season when you don't know when the season's going to be? Well, uh, that is the difficulty, and particularly the guys that have been through a few seasons generally have uh, something on their radar knowing that, right, there's a switch. Okay, right, the switch is pressed. We're three weeks away. I know that I'm turning my attention to, to, uh, to sort of playing, uh, to getting out there and, and getting your body right, getting your skills right, and you can sort of tick off the days. It's almost like a countdown for, to Christmas for the kids. It's that sort of a situation. As soon as you don't have that date, because it, let's be honest, we ain't starting in April. I'd be, I'd be amazed if you, you, you're probably somewhere near with sort of June, July. Um, uh, so how do you go through that? I, I'll be brutally honest. I'm, I'm nowhere. I don't know what to do because I'm very much on a, a three-week countdown. That's why I use the three weeks. That I know that I try and stay physically fit so that that is one thing that is ticked off. That's one thing that you can control. And then it's down to your skills. And sometimes you have to upskill and do lots more preparation and lots more bowling because it's just not quite working and you know what you need to work on and other times you just take take your foot off the gas because you're in a good place and you don't want to burn yourself out before it gets to that competition time so the unknown is is the biggest problem for everybody and uh it's no different when you when you're involved in sport if anything it's probably worse because um a lot of our lives are quite structured um in the sort of practice and you know you're practicing for a certain event at the minute you're not practicing for anything and Bats, when you talk about that and the, the unknown and the land of unknown, and we talk about the game of cricket, grassroots cricket, you know, domestic first-class cricket is, it's not a massive, not a, I was going to say not in a massive healthy state there as you, as you, as you coughed. So, um, look, Matt, I, I, I'm worried about the, the, game, the ramifications of the game of cricket, the game of cricket we all love because we've got this 100 competition with eight big big counties they'll be have the financial resources to survive but what does this mean for the smaller counties i'm talking about my county durham who have had struggles in the last few years but there are also other smaller counties who 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 you know basically could go under because of, of what's going on yeah I, I think that's where we've all got to pull together 
And I, I really do believe this. I think uh, the ECB will be under huge strain. Um, and everybody within the cricketing community, uh, grassroots level, whether it's people that um, uh, do the big dinners, whatever it may be, we've got to fundraise, we've got to make sure uh, that we look after our game. We look after the people within it. Um, we check that everybody's health, obviously, is first and foremost. But once we've got over that point, we have to. And, and it, it, it literally means rolling sleeves up, and it might mean uh, going down and you know paint, uh, painting the... Uh, the sight screens and helping out with the ground. We've all got to muck in um, to our great game because sport in general is going to take a hit from this. Life in general is taking a hit. Business is taking a hit. Uh, so the things we hold very dear to us, and first and foremost, that's our family and our friends and the human beings around. But then after that, um, our passion is our sport uh, and a few sports. And I just think I, I'm starting to get a, a feeling that um, the community, the sporting community, is going to rally around each other. I think everybody's going to help each other out. Um, and, and, you know, we hope that the cash reserves that are kicking around are, are spread properly. And it's not just uh, looking after the, the elite players. We need to look after everybody because we don't have any, any elite players if we're not looking at the grassroots. Well, well yeah, definitely. I certainly, um, I value you, Bat, so get better so that I can um, pop down the Oval and heckle you um, shortly. Uh, but thank you very much, uh, Gareth Batty, for joining us here on TalkSport 2. You're listening to The Cricket Collective. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. And next up, we'll head to Africa and the Caribbean to see how the outbreak is affecting those regions. Harrow in again, bowls to Cock, goes big over extra cover, and that's gone all the way for six. Short heaved away by the Cock, massive blow onto the roof of the old... It's gone, he's out of the ground, 
Gill is pulling and pulling high, hard and far. Again, that's gone for 6-4. Wow, wow, wow. Here comes William Bosa Gill, who's killing him and swings it back with a square. That's gone out of the ground. That's gone for 6-4. Oh, don't catch that. It's white, it's round, and it's a ball. You're listening to Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with myself, Jared Kimber, and it says here two-time Ashes winner Steve Harmson. I'll, t- I'll take that. I haven't fact-checked it, but I'm sure it's true. Uh, those were some highlights from our tours of South Africa and the West Indies. We're going to head across to Cape Town now. I'm going to speak to a very familiar voice, TalkSport 2's cricket coverage. That's Neil Manthorpe. Manners, what I'd like to talk to you about is uh, you wrote a Business Day column, and in it, uh, you know, during one of the most important uh, moments in, in all of humanity, and maybe all of cricket as well, this global pandemic, you decided to spend about 700 words talking about falling in a toilet in India. (laughs) You know what? Um, I tried to write it humorously uh, because I just felt that, um, I mean, the, well, the the, the mess had really just hit the fan in South Africa. Um, President Cyril Ramaphosa had just declared a, a state of national emergency and I thought that uh, everybody could do with a bit of cheering up. So me recounting a, a, a story of, of me falling into um, an overflowing latrine in India might just put a smile on people's faces. But, but the overall idea of, of, that, of the, your piece is uh, more about, uh, you know, the game of cricket and how we might have to rethink things in this uh, pandemic times that we're currently in. Yeah, absolutely. And... And, and I think it's a very real thing. And, and I thought that perhaps I, I've got many things wrong in the past. So I consulted a lot of people who know a lot more about uh, about shining the ball, cleaning the ball, maintaining uh, the ball's condition than I do. And they also said it's, it is a, a very real thing because let's hope that uh, the COVID-19 virus does disappear and the world returns to some kind of normality, I I think there will be lessons learned. And I think there's a strong possibility that that the message being sent out now about, you know, washing your hands and and the transference of bodily fluids, notably saliva and sweat, um, to to common areas will be something that I think will will stay with us and and perhaps should have been with us over the... (laughs) A little bit sooner than now, 2020. But, you know, so I, I would, the, the last tournament I did, I was probably one of the last persons to actually commentate on some live cricket because I was commentating uh, on Sunday on the over 50s World Cup game between South Africa and England. And I spoke to Alan Dawson, who's one of South Africa's best exponents of swing bowling in the modern era. And Alan Donald was coaching the over 50s team. And they both were were actually discussing this after the tournament got cancelled on Sunday. And they were saying, you know, what what do we do? Um, we, you know, we do, do we carry on shining the ball? Do we carry on using saliva? And, uh, and then, you know, in the longer form of the game, do we continue to use perspiration? Um, and I said to, to Dawson, do you think it would fundamentally change the game if the use of saliva and sweat was was banned? And he had no doubt whatsoever. Whatsoever, he just said, absolutely, 
fundamentally. He said, I, was a, I would have been a harmless medium pacer without swing. That's, that's, all, that's all I had. And, he, and I, pr I promise you, he's, he swung it ferociously. But he was also very meticulous about the way he prepared and cleaned and shined and maintained the condition of the ball. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it's very trivial. And in the global humanitarian scheme of things, obviously... Um, it's not important. Um, people dying is more important um, and the transfer of the virus. But, hey, this is a cricket programme, isn't it? So, and that's what we're talking about. And uh, it, there is, I believe, a very fundamental truth, reality, that the game could be changed fundamentally. But, Manners, when you, when you say that, you talk about... You know, <clears throat> how do you stop that? We play, we play cricket in the summer, in the summer months when it's hot and when it's warm. We play cricket in countries where it's red hot uh, and it's warm you can't stop people sweating you can't stop people uh, they're gonna have there is saliva there is sweat there's everything that goes with it so how do people how do how do the authorities how do how do you stop that um, i think that's physically impossible i've not met anybody well, other than probably alistair cook <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't sweat so you're gonna you're gonna dampen yourself down you've got towels you can you know wipe your brow all that that comes with it. It's just—is that just not nature? Is that not—is that not how your your body gets the, you know, the, the sweat out your system? It's 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 hard to say that will change. That that has to change. I I agree. I totally agree with that. And and there are many people listening to us, um, and probably a, a sense of amongst three of us as well is that it's it's ludicrous and it's impossible. Um, and I put exactly those points to the great Alan Donald. And you know what he said? He said, well, what if the umpire cleans the ball, wipes it with a, with a cloth with, a cloth with, uh, with surgical spirit on it, um, you know, between overs or even between deliveries? I know it sounds ridiculous. It does. It completely. It's preposterous and you can't transfer. But saliva in particular, Harmy, um, you know, there's... I am told by experts, and I certainly am not one, that there are far, far greater danger of, of transferring serious viruses and, and harmful bacteria and whatever through saliva than there is sweat. So that's not the really big issue. But, mm. but yeah, licking, licking your fingers and, you know, applying saliva to the ball, that seems to me to, to be a far stronger possibility that that, 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 that may somehow there may be an attempt to outlaw that. But if you... If you, you sorry, Jared, you're talking about getting the umpire to clean the ball at the end of every over. We struggled to get 12 overs an hour <laughs> out of some international teams, so... I will we'll say that, Harmi. It, it's, it, it, a couple of years ago, if you'd have said we were going to have concussion substitutes, and even 30 years ago, if you'd have said anyone oh, yeah, who bleeds definitely. has to go off, uh, off sporting fields. So, I mean, things do change, but I, I, think, of course. I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you, Harmi. I don't see how it would work. Also, if it's got any sort of liquid on that, on that cloth, which it would need, I would have th thought, to uh, be uh, antiseptic enough to fix the ball, it would actually change the ball, which exactly. is a, a huge problem. But the other thing is, Manners, and you sent me an email earlier today, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, throw you uh, under the bus a little bit here. You also said that you <laughs> think that uh, club cricket could still go ahead. Um, have you not been in an English change room? There's, only, there's no way you can be two metres from another mm. person. There's no way you can be a foot from some people. <laughs> Social distancing, I know. I, hey, listen, I did say that right at the beginning that I was talking about a fundamental change <laughs> to to the game, and it's 
It is. It is a. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I mean, you know, hopefully coronavirus disappears and goes the way of SARS and and all of the other viruses that that we've had, and and we can return to normality. But I do think that health experts will say, be very careful, and in fact, we strongly recommend you do not use saliva. Um, and so, but but you know what? I, I, so I was just thinking out loud, although I wasn't actually because I was I was typing out loud in that email to you, Jared. And I was just <laughs> thinking, if if um, the problem is is large crowds, that's certainly not a problem in South Africa at cricket matches. Um, but but I was wondering about whether, um, and perhaps because I've just been at. at you know this most wonderful tournament and in, in the most unlikely way the over 50s world cup there were crowds of 200 and it reminded me of of you know the very best sort of club cricket games and and i was just wondering <laughs> through my keyboard to you thanks for for throwing me under the bus <laughs> what, whether club cricket might actually benefit you know and it might actually be a sort of a boon to to club cricket because there were people there were families turning up with their with their cooler boxes and their picnic blankets and it just looked so uh, such a throwback to a glorious uh, the when the era when club cricket really thrived um so so yeah i mean you wouldn't be able to have 12 people in the dressing room um that's not going to work um so so i guess at the end of the game are just uh, rubbing elbows <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's crazy, isn't but, it? But, but I, I mean, want to stay on. What... I want to stay on club cricket a little bit, man. It's just just to ask you about, uh, you know, the the South African domestic season's been called off, but there's a lot of um, South African cricketers who come over and play club cricket in the UK, and it's you know for for the sort of fringe first class guys, especially, it's a very good way of making money. You know, Ashington up north n- mm. needs an overseas pro, and they get some you know big burly uh, Afrikaans lad to come and bowl a few overs into the wind for them, but. Uh, you know, it, that that's going to be a problem for a lot of um, South African sort of, what I suppose, semi-professional cricketers. It's a huge problem, and you've, you're so right to point it out, you know, and not just in England. I mean, in Scotland and Wales and the Netherlands and, and even club cricket in, in places like Germany, you know, when a, when a young South African needs uh, to earn some, some European currency and he plays cricket, he will find a club. Um, and and you're right, you know. There's there's over a hundred kids, um, uh, not not just kids, teenagers, but you know, guys in their early to mid twenties who who do exactly as you describe, and they go and they learn about the game, and you know, they mark boundaries and they cut mow the outfield and they do all of those things, um, and the the best of them can be paid as as much as ten or fifteen thousand pounds. That's huge, huge for them. And it's very much like, you know, the bottom of the economic pyramid in, in the rest of society. It's the sole traders um, who are going to be most hurt by this. Uh, you know, I suspect there are lots of fully professional cricketers who who aren't necessarily in this day and age particularly worried about their finances and their well-being and looking after and supporting any dependents that they may have um, for a a season or even half a season or a few months or however long it'll be. But if if those hundred or so, and it might be more than that, but my best estimate is about about a hundred guys go out and play in the, in the African winter and the, in the English European summer. And if they can't do that, it'll be enormous, enormously um, detrimental to to them. And, you know, and, and I know for a fact, because when you mentioned this subject to me, 
a short while ago. I, I actually called a couple of guys I know who have played um, club cricket and a couple who are intending to go, and they are seriously, seriously concerned. And Man- Manners, we talked you know, talk about it, or that subject there. You know, Jared mentioned Ashton Cricket Club. I'm president of the Cricket Club um, in name only. I not, don't tend to, to do many committee meetings or anything like that, but we have got a meeting on Thursday of whether or not on the top of this, on on that subject is our overseas player, and our overseas player is a, a young lad from South Africa. He's 18, 19 year old. I think he's played for South Africa under 19s. Um, he's getting past all the police checks. And they're allowing him into the country, and is it, it, it well? There are, before the the coronavirus, he he got his his visa to come in the country. Um, whether he can come in or not, whether it's the right thing to bring somebody across that, there's no games or anything like that. It is, it it, it is a a serious topic. You know, tra- I, I, you just got to go for a test, haven't you, Harmy? You just. But, I mean, you know, that if you if you're going to bring in a, a kid from South Africa, um, then or from anywhere, you, I mean, and surely it applies to all of us. I think for what a I'm while, to, for however I, long. Sorry, man. I think what I'm trying to say is the kid's 18 year old. What what sort of effect is it going to have on him if hmm. he was allowed to come in and then it did go into lockdown or if the, the season starts and something happens there there are you say there's a hundred people but there's a lot of like younger people coming over and you've got to think of their health and their mental health with 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 what is what is happening at this minute stuck in isolation in a country that they're not they're not used to no, definitely. Well, thank you very much, Neil Manthorpe. One thing I will say is it's very good news if the cricket season does go ahead and none of those imports come over for the poor opening batsmen um, uh, up north now who don't have to face the uh, the young South African tearaway cricks that, that should be coming in. But very bad news for the cricketers themselves. Manners, we will hear from you on another episode. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Jared. Uh, it's TalkSport 2's very own Neil Mantop there. Sorry if you tune, want to tune into our cricket show and we spent so much time talking about bodily fluids, but unfortunately that's where we are at the moment in the world. Uh, but now we're going to go to the Caribbean and I'm delighted to say we could talk to Barry Wilkinson who is joining us live from Barbados. Hopefully Barry isn't going to be talking about any fluids. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, I, I wanted to stay as far as well as um, so, Barry, I, I suppose one of the first questions I had uh, for you is this this sort of rumour that's been persisting that the uh, England might play the West Indies, but in the West Indies and not in England. Have you heard anything about that over there? Oh, well, sorry, we've lost you there, Barry. But, uh, Harmy, that would be incredible, wouldn't it, if we flipped the series around? And at the moment, the, it looks like the coronavirus hasn't, been, hasn't affected the West Indies as much as it has Europe. So you can kind of understand the thinking. There might be, might, might be one of the great um, advantages that cricket has is it might be able to follow the paths around where the uh, virus hasn't affected yet. Yeah, most definitely. But I think first and foremost, you'd, you'd hope that common sense will prevail and get you know the, the the health of everybody back in and sorted before the, the you know the, the games can be played. And if look, I, I'm a tradition. I would love to see it played in England if if it is all possible. But I think if we can get if we can get this great game of cricket played anywhere in the world and give a little bit of feel good fact back to the you know to the population of the world, then yeah, you know, look, I'm all for open for any ideas. Uh, Barry, I think you're back with us. Has um, Cricket West Indies has suspended all of its tournaments for 30 days? Is that right? Yeah. Hello to you, Jared. Yeah, they definitely have. We were in the middle of the, well, at least the tail end of the first class season. And that has been postponed for a minimum of 30 days. But I think it's going to go on a bit longer than that. 
So I'm not quite sure we're going to be watching and seeing any cricket in the West Indies for perhaps a little while to come. And Barry, you, you talk about being suspended. Uh, the, I, I mentioned a batch earlier about small counties and how much revenue they they'd potentially lose. Are, we worried, are, you, are you worried in the Caribbean that you might lose sort of island boards because of the what from the financial restraints that come with it because cricket's not as popular as it was probably in the 70s? No, I think actually they'll save money with the cricket not being played because really and truly no, no one really watches regional first-class cricket here. So you still have to pay for the ground staff. You still got to pay for uh, security and what have you, and, and no one comes and watches it. And then it's also being streamed. You have to pay commentators. You got to pay uh, people to stream it. So with there being no cricket, I think they'll actually save money rather than have to shell it out. Wow. Uh, and Barry, I just had a question about, you know, there's a huge freelance cricket economy uh, within the West Indies. Obviously, we know about the famous ones, you know, Kyron Pollard and Chris Gale flying around the world. But there's also a lot of sort of mid-range and lower-end players who play a lot of club cricket in, in the USA um, and also a lot of club cricket in, in places like the UK. This is going to affect those sorts of uh, fringe first-class players a lot. Uh, you know, uh, I, can't see, I can't see how that's going to be uh, not affect those guys. Yes, yeah, spare a moment for the commentators as well. Uh, yeah, but look, <laughs> it definitely will affect them. I think it will affect anyone who freelances in the world of cricket. So the cricketers are the top tier. They will definitely be affected because there's going to perhaps no IPL. PSL just is coming to tail and was virtually called off. And then, uh, of course, the, the upcoming seasons where the West Indies is supposed to go to uh, England, that is likely to be also called off. And then South Africa may not come anymore, and then New Zealand might not come as well. So you're looking at perhaps no cricket within West Indies region or no West Indies cricket being played for three to four months. And that's a long time for someone who's depending on that to be their income. That's not good. That's being like uh, being unemployed for three or four months. Um, and uh, I suppose one of my other questions was, Barry, it was, you know, as far as um, as far as it goes, you know, we're talking about the England government and the Sri Lankan government getting involved with, with cancelling um, tournaments. Is it harder for the West Indies Cricket Board because there are so many different nations and you would assume that they'll all have a slightly different um, idea of how they're going to handle coronavirus? Well, I think that um, while that is so, because this has been more so of a, a world pandemic um, the Cricket West Indies would have just taken the nod from uh, WHO, which is uh, the World Health Organization, and also the, the respective CARICOM governments who would have been meeting quite often and quite constantly. So I don't think it would have been any issue because there, there are different regions that, um, you know, it, it would have been something like Trinidad says, we are fine, so we're not going to play, or Barbados says, but we are not fine, so we're not going to play. I think CARICOM was in unison that this is uh, a worldwide pandemic, and also the fact that every West Indies country has had a case. Barbados today has had two cases. So, look, I don't think that it was any any other, there was no real breakaway, or there was no problem with the government's not being collective on the decision. I think it was very, very much a collective decision. Beautiful. All right, well, thank you very much, Barry, for joining us. Uh, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. In the final part of the program, we'll head down under to see how the coronavirus has affected cricket in both Australia and New Zealand. Finch goes straight down the ground, a real sign of aggression by the Australian Clapton, and clears everything. This same field for... Oh, look at that shot from Steve Smith. Told you, That's the hard. helicopter whip over backwards square. That is the shot of the afternoon. Yeah! Oh, through him. Smith is knocked over by Santa, who gets his second. 
Oh, gee, that's a shot and a half from Williamson. He just leans back and slides it through. Oh, beautifully bowled. That is an unbelievably good delivery to outdo a very good player of spin. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with myself, Jared Kimber, a no-time Ashes winner, and Steve Harmson, a two-time Ashes winner. <laughs> uh, and as you've heard there, that was New Zealand facing Australia in the ODI in the empty stadium, the SCG. It was very interesting, actually, listening to so many of the players say that they felt weird playing in front of an empty stadium because I, Aaron Finch was one of them. Harmy, I've seen Aaron Finch play many, many times in front of, em- in, in front of the empty stadium and not just any stadium, the MC. Um, you know, you must have played a couple of times uh, with uh, no one around, surely. Yeah, well, I, I went across to South Africa and played domestic cricket for the Hyvert Lions, and we played in Paul, and I couldn't believe it. I, you know, um, as as we walked out, there wasn't one person in the ground, not one person in the ground. I think there was about five people in the ground all day. So, I think we're quite fortunate in in England that. You know, we do get good support in, for all our cricket, first-class cricket, domestic cricket and test match cricket. But uh, you've seen sport go in the last week or so to, in, in playing empty stadiums. And it just doesn't look right. The Football Champions League, um, I think I was at Valencia, Atlanta, was something like 3-3, fourth, fourth overall or something like that. It just seemed a different game, with a different intensity. Um, and... I, 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 I think I don't know what you think, Jared, as a journalist, but me as a as a player, it's like being in a theatre. You're you're a showman. You're an actor. You're a, you you mm. want to put a show on, and you put a show on for the people that have come and paid to support. You try your best to do the best you can in front of the world because it's a wider audience. If you're internationally, but in a domestic, and you're in there's people in the stadium. You you, know, you go that extra yard to put a to put a show on for them. And unfortunately, I, I personally I don't think. Any sport should be played behind closed doors unless you're disciplining somebody. <laughs> there was a moment where Steve Smith took an incredible catch. I remember the commentators getting so excited mm. over it. And then, uh, you know, and and I was, I almost doubted that it was a good catch for a minute because I was like, there's no, there, there, there's atmosphere. And then I had to remember. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Talk Sports cricket editor John Norman uh, with us from New Zealand. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Hope uh, you're well. We are, because we're staying away from Gareth Batty, so we're all fine here. Mm. Um, uh, John, I just wanted to talk to you about this game. I mean, it was very much like a ghost game. People kept talking about the echo of the ball on the bat, which I found really, really interesting, because I grew up watching Shield games in, in the MCG, and I would quite often be the spectator um, at those games. So that sort of noise of that echo going through the ground, uh, for me, uh, took me back to my childhood. But for everyone else, it seemed to haunt them. Well, look, I followed that game listening to Radio Sport here in New Zealand. Um, actually, it may turn out to be the last game Radio Sport covering cricket because uh, New Zealand cricket and uh, Radio Sport um, have parted company. Uh, and what a way to go out. The fact um, that Brian Waddle and Jeremy Coney and the team uh, were in position at the SCG. I was listening back in Auckland and there's a there's an immediacy with radio uh, sport coverage that that we all know about we're, we're all part of it but there's also something else you take your cues from the sound of the crowd before you take the cue from what the commentator is telling you so when you're listening to cricket on the, on the radio and there is no crowd um you know not only does it begin to begin to bring in profound questions along the lines of, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and there's no one to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, look, if David Warner 
crashes a boundary to the uh, to the ropes and there's nobody there to see it, you know, essentially, does it really matter? And the feeling is, no, it doesn't really matter. Sport um, is about the the is about the people that turn up to watch it. If you don't have people watching it or listening to it, I suppose, but people actually in the stadium, it does take away from the the relevance of the actual act itself. You know, this whole coronavirus uh, situation. You know, one of the many memes, um, if I've got the right terminology, I don't know. You're about to tell me yeah. that I've been watching uh, or seen on social media is. I'm sure you've seen it, guys. It's uh, it's a it's kind of taken from a, a, a position of a, a camera looking down at a packed pub um, all of the people in the pub watching the big screen and somebody, you know, probably Vish from The Independent has taken <laughs> off the image of, you know, a last minute winner sparking scenes of wild abandon and instead there, there's somebody playing tempin bowling or, you know, or, or lawn bowls, bowls. Yeah. And and the crowd goes absolutely crazy because, in essence, the joke being, why would you know? Why would that ever spark such scenes? But two things in that. Firstly, if you don't like sport, actually, it doesn't make sense because when you whittle down sport, it is essentially either a bloke hitting a ball or a woman hitting a ball into the back of a net, or it is. Uh, you know, bloke holding a bit of willow, hitting a leather ball. That is what sport is stripped down. And when you take away the sporting, when you take away the theatre of it, when you take away the people who are watching it, um, we all start to realise that actually, you know, this thing that we've invested our lives into actually doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, and the, one of the other things I've found is just the hours in the day. I mean, I, I don't know how how many hours a day I actually watch cricket or basketball, you know, and sometimes boxing as well. I, you know, all these different sports that you fill your time with. Uh, the other day I found myself, uh, ESPN put up a video of a baby race and it was an incredible <laughs> comeback by the baby in the light blue. Like, if you get a chance to find this video, guys, it's worth it. But, Harmy, how many hours a week do you think you're you're following you know cricket or football and those sorts of things um it's the whole it arguably it's the whole week you know if if i'm if i'm sitting at ha- at home and and haley's been at work she'll come in what have you been doing the day more often than not i'll say i'm watching sport either playing sport because you've either played golf or you, you you've watched sport there's a 24 hour Sports channels, news channel. You watch it. Anybody that's got any any sort of love for sport, any connection with sport, will be watching that that channel. I can imagine all sportsmen watch that channel. I think, like I said, right at the top of the show, sport is gives a feel good factor or a not feel good factor, but to to individuals who have you know they've got troubles at work, troubles at home, troubles family, and whatever. It's their release. You know, I, I support Newcastle United. You go to St James's Park. We have had you know 12 years under Mike Ashley. We've got a group of fans who are here to him, a group of fans who are not bothered because they just love going. But at the end of the day, it's this this whole working week is going towards going on a Saturday afternoon watching Newcastle play. If they play well, everything's rosy. If it's not, well, it's another go at Ashley, another go at the club. It's another, but it's at least it's something there to talk about. And you go to the pub on Sunday night. I was in the pub. We watched in the pub. We watched snooker with nobody in the crowd, and there was a great. Honestly, it was a great safety shot, and I was expecting a, a ripple of applause. Nothing. Uh, then we watched. I think we watched squash with nobody there, and then the the wrestling came straight on with nobody there. It was like. 
the world and, and you know, our world had, had ended. And I know that that sounds awful because what's going on in the world, but that's what happens in pubs and clubs, like you mentioned before, with the bowls and everybody you know going off. It's it's just a, a, a sport is a lot of people's lives. Definitely, and it certainly is here. So thank you, Harmy, for coming on, and also TalkSport's cricket editor, John Norman, for joining us on the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. That's it for today's show, but if you missed any of it, you can subscribe to the podcast via Apple, Acast, and all your good podcast providers. I like Spotify personally, but, you know, make your own choice. We'll be back next week tackling another big topic from the world of cricket, but for now, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 